Welcome to the Must Love Self podcast. My name is Carly Israel and I am your host. What is Must Love Self all about? It's about our bodies, our worth, and our voices. It is a movement, an attitude. It is a decision. It is a project. It is a journey. It is a life choice. Every week I get to interview a brave woman who may not be perfect, but is on the path and is willing to share their ugly and their beautiful. I'm already going to be your friend. We already know this. I've got <laughs> Catherine. Is it Yassi? Yazi, yes. Yazi. Please introduce yourself. Yes. Well, thanks for having me, Carly. I'm really excited to be here. Um, I am a leadership coach, business strategist, and I actually host a podcast about self-love called It's Okay to Love Yourself. So I'm kind of a coach, a podcaster, and at my core, I'm just a self-love advocate and champion. I really, this year, want to put as much self-love into the world as I can through being on podcasts, through having people on my podcast talking about their stories, um, because it's been such a big part of my own life. Um, and I've been on both sides of not having any and feeling like I didn't deserve it to doing a lot of work on myself and um, seeing how much self-love really does impact your quality of life, how you experience your life. And, and just, I want everyone to feel this way and to know that it's not unattainable. And so I think that that's it's, really it's okay to love yourself, but it, <laughs> it's, it's okay. okay. I love, I love that. I love that so much. We are two sisters from another mister. We're going to be in this together. I cannot wait to do this. So I kind of know the answer, but why did you say yes to this conversation? I'm 31 and I spent from like seven, eight years old to 28 years old, feeling like I was trapped inside this box where like the real me was so hidden. And I felt like I was living to live up to other people's expectations of me. And I just hit a point where I was like, I can't keep doing this. Like I feel so disconnected from myself and disconnected from the world around me. And it was like, I knew that there was more for me to do. And I think that for me talking about my experiences has been the most healing thing and hearing other women's stories and, and people in general, that has, that helped me years and years of just listening to people, especially other um, fat women talk about their life and how they have learned to love themselves, how they've learned just how everything we've been taught is sometimes a lie, most of the time a lie. And I want to tell my story in hopes that it will inspire someone else because I just really believe in the, in the power of stories and, and storytelling in terms of changing the world and, and changing the social narrative around a lot of these things. I went to Amsterdam before COVID and I miss traveling so much. And I remember everything there was so empowering. But when I was there, I just saw signs everywhere that were like empowering. And I saw this one that said, there are no rules. Like rules are all made up. Like yeah. this whole idea that there's rules is ridiculous. And I love what you just said, like that everything we've been taught is a lie. And I think when, especially when you grow up and you start to internalize messages mm -hmm. about how you're supposed to act and how you're supposed to be and 
what you can and can't do. And, you know, we pick up those messages everywhere from the media, from our family, from school, from teachers. And I've talked to a lot of women at this point who it's so interesting. Like personally, I deeply internalized all of that. And I took that as gospel and really lived by those rules and, and they became my own in my own head. And I really thought that that was what I needed to do. And then I've talked to other women who are Wait, like, stop. Yes. when you say that, what are you specifically saying? Internalize oh, what? So I was, I definitely have always been, you know, a bigger person. I've had a bigger body. I was, I don't think I've ever been like stick skinny at any point in my life. And as a kid, I remember like shopping for bathing suits and never, never being able to wear a bikini, having to wear like a shirt over your bathing suit, like having to wear sleeves. You couldn't, I couldn't wear tank Did top. you wear a shirt because you wanted to, or someone told you to? Both. I think like, I think when I was really young, I just remember, um, on my, my mom and like my grandmother, her mom, I feel like we're always just really consumed with body image and their own bodies. And that translated to myself and my sisters. And I think we all just became socialized around this idea that like, you have to look a certain way. And if you don't, like you have to cover up and you have to be flattering, which is kind of code for thin, right? Like you got to wear sleeves to cover up your, your big arms. And I just, that, that became my own, the, the, the system in my mind where I was just constantly so self-aware of, am I taking up too much space? How can I make myself as small as possible, whether through clothes or just like contorting your body in different ways. And um, can I just tell you like how much this resonates with so many women, regardless of what our size is. So something I want to address is I've been talking about it lately. Muscle of self is not just about body stuff by right. any means. What it is, it's easier for women to talk about our body stuff first, because that's in our face. Yeah. You need to be this certain way. If not, you need to wear a shirt. Why aren't you not like this? What's wrong with you? And like you said, that internalized message, but what it's really about that I'm understanding that I'm sure you are already know is it's about our worth and knowing right. that we are enough and that fuck you, I can take up as much space as I want and I'm going to use my voice. Right. Yeah. And, um, I, I spoke with a woman yesterday who said, it's not enough just to be at the table. If I'm at the table, you're going to know I'm here yeah. and it's not, and I hate this idea and I see it in all aspects, not just body that as women, we are taking up too much space we are too loud. We are too whatever. No, I love what you said about like how I think bodies can be the entry point because, and, and also you said everyone, no matter their size has that moment. And I think as I got older and I started sharing with like my closest friends who were of all sizes, like, and, and even going to college and meeting a bunch of new people there too, every time I would open up and hear that other women and, and men and anyone felt the same way. It made me angry actually. Cause I was I like, know. I thought that I deserved to feel this way because I was fat. And so when I would see like super skinny people feel so insecure, I was like, there's something like, this is wrong. Like, this is not okay. That like all these people who in my idea, in my mind, like fit this ideal that were sold. And the fact that that's constantly changing. So I think as women, we think once we get all these things perfect. Like then we'll be good enough. Then we can go live the lives that we, that we want to have. You know, for me, that played out a lot with like going on all these diets and like, this will be the time I'm going to do it. I'm going to get thin and then my life will begin really. And I think that's so dangerous to really buy into because it keeps you stuck and it keeps you small. Right. Um, and like, what's the concept good enough for who? Right. <laughs> good enough for what? Right. right. 
what does it really even matter? And I love that you said where you were within, you looked at anyone else and you're like, why are you feeling like this? But the truth is that it's probably my number one belief about life is that everyone has a story and you just don't know what anyone else's story is. And who am I to judge anyone? You know, yeah. and from doing all this work, I'm realizing that, and especially as women, because I feel like women are willing to listen. We need to stop judging each other. Yeah. We need to stop judging each other's bodies. We need to stop judging each other's choices, whether they're having career or family or not, or both. We need to stop judging how each other behaves. Like we need to be a champion for each other. The last thing on earth women need is other women pulling them down. Exactly. It's just buying into this whole like hierarchical idea. And it's like, we, if you tear someone down, it means that you are a higher status. And I think that that mentality, we, you know, we see that all over our society. We need to really dismantle that thinking because us, like one woman being successful and standing in their, in their worthiness does not detract from yours. And I think that's, oh, I love that we are meant to believe we're meant to believe like <laughs> there's not it, enough room. Yeah. Like, you know, the supermodels are the top of the top and then, and then everyone else, like how, how closely you resemble them, like the more power, the more sex appeal you have, the more success you, you can have, like, and that's just bullshit. Like we don't need to live in that world anymore. And yeah, when, when we lift one woman up, everyone else rises too. And it's, it's, it's so much deeper than appearance, but caring so much about our appearance keeps us stuck in that way of thinking and extracted from the bigger picture of what's, what are we avoiding when we're so consumed with what we look like? So many bigger issues in our world that really need our attention. Uh, and I think that's what finally this year, walking away from dieting for good and being like, I'm done with this. Like <laughs> how much mental energy I was able to free up in my mind is unbelievable to me. You know, I was able to start up two podcasts, a business, like this is real shit that people can do that they think that they would never have time for. But I like, think about how much time we spend agonizing around what we're eating and how much we're moving. And is it good enough? Is it bad? Like, it's just, but it's here's the thing. And this is the next layer. It's not just about the eating and the body and the looking, right? So right. then you remove that one. So awesome. You're kicking ass in that one. And then it's, am I accomplishing enough? Right. Am I at this level in a society, in success, in relationships, in my family's eyes? Ultimately, it's about being good enough. And I right. think that what's the sexiest thing we could possibly be is good enough for ourselves. Yeah. And that is attractive because I don't care what anyone says, a air quote, beautiful woman, like model type who hates herself and doesn't have gratitude and doesn't give back to the world becomes unattractive to me. Yeah. Right. So totally. I want to honor that. I want to get to a place where we can look at where you are today and the lowest number you've been. We're going to rate ourselves. One is the lowest, 10 is the highest. I want you to tell me what your score is today for your own body image. I would say I'm at like an eight out of 10 because I don't think awesome. I'm perfect. I think we're at like, like, I think it's a constant journey. And if you asked me that a couple of weeks ago, probably would have been closer to a six, but what shifted in a few weeks? Yeah recognizing that my body goes through cycles. <laughs> like we all go through cycles of a couple of weeks ago. I remember I was like feeling really bloated and uncomfortable in my body and I didn't have a lot of energy to move. And it just sucked me into this negative train of thinking of like, oh my God, am I losing control over my body? What's happening? And in the last few weeks, I had a week where I was super energized and shifted to like appreciating just that I had a body, that it was healthy, that it moved. 
And now I can like look back over the last month and be like, oh, obviously, like it was like my, my PMS. Right, right. Of course my body was bloated and like feeling bigger and, un- and uncomfortable. That's a normal part of life. It doesn't mean anything was wrong with me and that I'm bad or whatever. And I think like from there on, like that point of appreciation is something I'm, I'm trying to practice daily. And we'll forget. Like, so yeah. I call myself Dory from Finding Nemo because I forget <laughs> all day long. And so like next month you'll forget, like, why am I like this? And then you'll yeah. remember, oh yeah, that's what's happening. What's the lowest number you're, you have ever given yourself for your body image? Man, I mean, honestly, I would pretty low. Like there's been some times where I have felt so ashamed of my body and just so, so ashamed to the point where I needed to disconnect from, from myself, like, because it was too painful to, to exist and to sit in those feelings. Like I, like as a teenager, when I think I had always been aware, like I had been on diets for years before high school, but I think in high school, everything starts to compound of like, you have social pressure, you have, you know, all these things that like, there's just, it it feels like more eyes are on you. Like it, it just, I hit this point where I was like, I can't, I can't be in my body because it doesn't feel safe and good to me. And I just tried, like you were saying about, we chase our worth through other things. Like I just tried to go out and do these things to almost say, maybe people will forget that I'm fat. And maybe that being fat won't be such a bad thing if I'm volunteering and I'm doing all these activities and like doing good in the world. And I'm a nice person. Like that's the mentality I had was like, this is such a terrible thing to be in our world. Like what else could I do to, to make this not as much of a bad thing? Because it it felt so detrimental and it, it made me feel so ashamed that it was hard to even like want to go out in the world or want to do these things because I just felt so like, I felt like a failure. The beautiful part about what we do here for myself self and what you're doing is these conversations. Okay. So I felt the exact same way about all my shit. And when I wrote my memoir seconds and inches, and I shared that, although not everyone has the same story as me, we have the same feelings. And a lot of people that I knew when I was younger were like, I wish I would have known that you felt like this, I would have given you a hug. And like, that's how I feel like right now. Like I want to go up to that teenage Catherine and be like, can I just hug you and sit on the floor with you by our lockers and be like, fuck everybody. Like you are awesome. Right. And like, I feel like if we sat down with like God or Buddha or whoever we think of is our power, they would be like, what are you doing? Like, why are you kidding me? Like I gave you this beautiful world and I gave you all these opportunities and people (laughs) to help and animals and situations. And you're caring about what you look like, like how (laughs) we're such jerks. Right. But that's the societal message. So I'm so upset that you had to feel that, but I can relate completely. What number would you give yourself for your own worth today? Definitely eight, eight or nine. Like, honestly, awesome. Like I have done so much work over the last year when I do. So I can't, I worked in corporate, um, in tech for the last, like, eight, nine years until the pandemic. And that really, my journey through that and through navigating like my confidence led me to understand our worth is not something we have to earn. And that, you know, that had ripple effects with the body stuff, with (laughs) success, with just feeling, helping myself get through imposter syndrome. Like that was a pivotal shift for me was understanding that my worth is innate. It doesn't come from external. And again, it's something I have to remind myself of constantly, but it's, it's a practice that I incorporate. It is. It's a way of life. 
yeah but like today you know like I'm coming on this podcast I'm interviewing someone later from for my podcast I'm showing up online I'm, I'm constantly having to remind myself of it to be able to let go of like the fear of what people are going to think because I'm already good enough for me and uh it, it it's something that is yeah it goes across every area of your life I love it what would you rate your voice your ability to use your voice to advocate for yourself mm. Um, I'd probably say seven because I think that I'm still practicing. <laughs> I I'm really, I'm a lot more comfortable telling my own story and speaking about my experiences, but I think that's the next level for me is advocating for my needs, especially like in relationships and even, even in business sometimes around like money and, and, and things like that. I think that has been exactly where I'm at in my learning and growing journey there, uh, is, is asking and, and being comfortable voicing those things. It's, and it's hard because that brings us back to our worth and reminding ourselves we are worthy of it. And just the idea of how much is your time worth? Right. And what do you have to offer? And that has nothing to do with body stuff that has to do with the internal stuff. I love what you said about our worth is not something we have to earn. I talk about this concept a lot with my children and I tell them there's absolutely nothing they can do to make me love them more or less. I might not like some of their choices, but they can't change how much I love them and what I see them as. And I think of that is my concept of my higher power as well. And that like that idea that like my God has a picture of me on God's refrigerator, like, cause I'm like a fave and, and like that <laughs> idea that like, we all are like, we all are regardless yeah. of what you believe. I think that message is like so important. Like I, I think, I think reinforcing that your love for your kids or, and it's, it's really modeling how they should be feeling about themselves. Because I think that it's, that's exactly what I, you know, help clients with is seeing their worth at, in their confidence, like as this unwavering level thing versus we're so used to having it go up and down. Like when we get validated or when we get critical feedback, it feels like such a personal attack because to us, it thinks it's like a judgment on our worth and how good we are. And it's like, no, 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 no. That's just information. <laughs> Your worth does not go up and down. It is a level steady thing. And the more you can connect that and feel that in your body, the easier it is to take in all that information and not let validation run your life. Like, you know, approval from your parents or approval from your boss, like it's not about that. It's about your own approval of self. Approval is such a big, it's like a danger word. And it's the one that connects to the good enough. I have a question for you that I want to go back to when you yeah. were younger. Yeah. You said that your mom and your grandmother were consumed with body image and it affected you and your sisters. Can you just tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. The more I have done my own personal healing, the more I kind of tie different memories to just the women in my family and how conversations about like our bodies were just so normal. Like it was normal for my grandma or my, my mom to like just comment on our appearance. And my mom, I feel like I grew up in the nineties when the low fat craze was happening and snack wells. You know, oh yeah. Going to like Weight Watchers as a kid with my mom, <laughs> because she was always looking for that next diet. That was the time of, that was what the world was super oriented around at that time. 
that was what environment I grew up in where that was normalized to <laughs> be constantly looking for that next diet that was go again going to be that ticket and my grandma she like worked at JC Penney and we would go through the clothing catalog together and she would she would like you know pick out different outfits because she'd order us clothes and but I remember it was like never the spaghetti st strap like dress that you had rules you had rules <laughs> there were rules and it was like no this would look good on you and 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 I and I again as an adult I can so see how that was like their own that was how they thought about themselves and and like they couldn't help but like just express that about myself and my sisters and and like just just everything was so focused around that and there was always this fear and anxiety around bodies even even like with my dad who you know, I think my, both my parents have kind of been through different phases of being different sizes and they all, the more I learn about their life, like I think they've had experiences when they were younger too, of having people comment on their appearance, which really gave them anxiety about their body. And then they grew up as adults and were constantly looking for these solutions because they thought that they couldn't trust their bodies. Like my dad would say, oh, sorry, you have the Yazzie genes. Like that just means that we're bigger people. And like, I really identified with that for so long and I'm still at 31 trying to like navigate how do I you know how do I view <laughs> my body as like this this neutral thing versus like I, I used to think I have bad genes I have genes that make me predisposed to be fat which means I'm unhealthy which means I'm unworthy which means people aren't gonna want to like be with me or date me it means I'm gonna be unhealthy and maybe like it was alone forever I'm never gonna have a life I yeah. want but you know what it is? We get to change the story and we get to say, I think I'm beautiful. I yeah. think I'm fabulous. So we get to stop what they're saying and we we get to make it so you're no longer allowed to comment on how I look. And I've been so aware of it, even in TV now, just since I've been doing Muscle of Self, how in all TV shows, when there's a female, regardless of her age or size, they talk about what she looks like. They never yeah. talk about any you look so beautiful. You look so pretty. You look so cute. There's nothing else discussed. Right. And right. we have to stop doing that. Yeah. It's, it's not like, I think that's the biggest thing is like, it's so normal for people to comment on other people's bodies. And that has to end. Like, like oh my God, you look so skinny. You don't know what right. that means. What did right. she have to do to get like that? Cause yeah. but that for me, when I was like that and my friends would say, you're too skinny when I was starving myself and killing myself and restricting right. myself it just reinforced oh good 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 exactly. oh that's good and that's the that's where the validation and these people are so well-meaning and don't think that they're that they don't really see how they could be reinforcing super disordered eating patterns or again not knowing the full story of what's actually going on that's influencing someone's bodies changing and everyone's body changes in different ways so like it's I think that's the, that's the harm that diet culture and that a lot of the rhetoric around size and health has done to us. It makes us believe that the, the smallest people are the healthiest and the most moral and virtuous and best people. And anything outside of that is wrong. And like, how do we accept that when everything else in our world, we all look different. We all have different genes. Like we see it in nature and we don't, we don't think there's a problem with that, but like with our size, like the, the marketing behind it, when you really think about like how internalized this is in people, it's astounding how we've all bought into it. And even the more I've learned, um, there's this book, Anti-Diet by Christy Harrison, who 
talks a lot about diet culture and her own experiences. And there's this one day in 1998 when the National Institute of Health literally changed the BMI scale so that overnight millions of Americans moved into the overweight and obese categories overnight. Like this was a government decision. It wasn't like a scientist or a doctor created a new scale, which by the way, BMI is, is like completely not a health tool. Like there's been a lot of research on that as well, but like people, people saw that and then thought, Oh my God, I'm the problem. Like at that time, no one questioned it. They just said, well, if the government's telling me that this is, this is the thing that's predicting my health, like we all bought into it and then went on all these diets and realized, Hey, well, diets don't work oh my God, we're weight cycling, which actually sets our weight set points to be higher. Like if you really trace this back, it's, it's not that this epidemic was created <laughs> and we all, it's even hard. I have conversations with my parents. We were saying like, you're saying, talking about boundaries. I'm really trying to navigate that now because I try to explain to them these things that I'm learning. And for, for them who they've held these beliefs so tightly. It's so ingrained. They don't I, believe. I wanted to ask you that. <laughs> How does it affect your sisters also? Because you have this, first of all, tell us what changed a year ago and then how it's played out in your life. Yeah. So a year ago I had back in December, 2019, I went back to therapy and I had gone to therapy in 2017 for the first time after I had lost weight. And I was maybe the lowest I had ever been in my adult life. This was after my sister lost hundred pounds. So it's all interconnected. And my sister got a lot of validation. My parents like constantly were congratulating her. Like everyone around her was, she was the person on Instagram posting all the before and afters. And she built like a following. People were like, oh my God, you're so inspiring. This is amazing. And at that point there was something in me that said, you know what, if she did this, maybe I can do it now too. And I did keto and like cut out carbs it was a whole thing, but I, I, you know, I dropped a lot of weight really quickly. People were starting to notice and starting to compliment me, but I felt miserable. I was so anxious and depressed. I had so much body dysmorphia. I couldn't see any changes. And I was like, I see the scale changing, but like, I don't feel better. And because I, your brain has been telling you for so long yeah. what you are. And you, it's so true. I actually was at a place too, where I did not trust the mirror anymore. Yeah. And it was really that moment of realization where I was like, this is goes much deeper. And at that point I was like 28 and I, I, you know, I knew my life story. I knew how long I had been in this mentality and how it had shaped my whole upbringing. And I never felt like I could talk about it. I felt even with my family and some of my closest friends, it was always that thing that like, even thinking about it would bring, would make me emotional. And I was like, I got to, you know, I got to do something about this. Like I'm, I'm, I don't want to live this way forever. I don't want to be like this forever. So I started going to therapy at that point and then stopped for a little bit and went back in 2019. Cause I was at the point where I'm like, I know what I'm trying to do and I'm ready. Like I'm ready to stop holding this in. I'm ready to really do this work and to share. To be clear, you're not saying you don't want to be like this anymore about your body. You're saying you Correct. don't want your mind to keep being yeah. like this. Yes. I didn't want to feel like I was one person internally and a different person externally. Like that was, I felt such this dissonance of like inside, I knew I needed self-love and I wanted to talk about that because I felt like other people needed to know about it. But on the outside, I was so afraid to 
be different or really share what I thought. Like I felt like I needed to be what everyone else wanted me to be. And that was how I could conform and just be safe and be okay. But that disconnect, I hated it. Like it felt so trapping and suffocating. <laughs> um, so I, that's what I went to therapy. And I had, at that point I had the idea for the podcast for like a year, but I was terrified. I was like, what's my mom going to think? What's my family going to think? What am I, you know, what are my friends going to think? Is this stupid? Like so much judgment started going back to therapy. The pandemic happened for that. I had been at a new job for almost a year, had gotten promoted in under a year. Like my career was my thing that I was good at and what made me feel like I was worthy. That was the thing I poured everything. Right. Into. So your worth was connect since you felt like crap about your body and how you looked, you went after your worth in career. Yeah. Yep. And when the pandemic happened, my entire department, unfortunately, was eliminated, including myself. Or maybe fortunately. Yeah, <laughs> totally. <laughs> but it was like, oh, world, like this, I would have never predicted. I literally just gotten a promotion a month before. Super shocking, super like, holy shit moment. And after that, you know, I was one so grateful that I was in therapy because I was like, thank God I have someone who can like help me navigate this, but it really opened me up. It really forced me to like, see who I was without my job and really feel this is what I'm supposed to talk about. This is what I want. If I don't do this, I'm going to regret it forever. And right now I have the time. I have the opportunity to do this. I've had this idea. It hasn't gone away this is something I need to do. And my first episode was like telling my whole story from like being a kid to now. And it was the most liberating, freeing thing I've ever done. And, and since then, you know, and it, that took me years beforehand of starting to open up and tell my story to friends and people in my life, crying, crying in therapy. Like it took me a really long time to tell my story without crying. And but can I say I, something? The yeah. crying, a couple of things. So I've been doing this for decades with women when they're getting sober and they always, we, as women, we apologize for crying, which is total BS. The crying, first of all, is just an emotion. Like who cares? Right. It's also the tension being released and the right. ice around our heart finally melting because we're giving it love. And I think as, as women, we need to stop apologizing for crying. Like I don't apologize when I'm smiling. I'm not like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. I'm smiling right now. Like I have to stop apologizing for it. I know it just, I think to me, that was an indication. And I, and I want to say that though, because I think it's an indication of like your experience is valid. And like, for me, it was such an emotional, such a, I kept it so hidden that it really took years for me to finally like separate myself from that story. That was the story I had about myself and telling it was so painful because it was like telling, it was like, I projected confidence. I projected, I have this amazing job and I'm successful and I am smart and I do, and I'm a good person. And that, but it was like showing my heart, which was so opposite of that. It was like, I feel like a failure. I feel like I'm never going to find love. I feel like no one loves me and no one likes me because <laughs> of my body. And I think that's what was so painful and what would make me cry is because it was so different from what I, what I would normally what your share soul knew. Right. And yeah. what, what you wanted other people to know. I'm so grateful that you've done all this work and, and what the world's going to get from this. I cannot even wait. And we are at lightning round. So you ready to go? Yeah. Okay. If you could sit with yourself when you were in high school and you were so ashamed and you didn't want to be in your body, what would you say to her right now? Who, um, I'd say, you can't see it now, but this is a lesson that is going to 
to make you a stronger, more empath. This is going to be, it's going to turn into your superpower. Like it's this, what you're going through is making you more empathetic and, and loving. Even if you don't feel that way about yourself now, it's, it's showing you this. It's all part of the process. You have to have these lows to, to be on the other side. And I think the biggest thing you said for me is that you can't see it now. We just yeah. can't see it, right? Yeah. Next question. What would your 80-year-old Catherine say to you now? 80-year-old Catherine, I'm so proud of you. I'm so proud of you. Like really in the last year, I, I, it's like astounding sometimes when I think about how much I've done and how different I feel and how different my life is. What does it mean to be beautiful? What is it beauty to you? Beauty is... is the energy that you radiate when you love yourself and when you love people and love life. I think that's what beauty is to me. What does it mean to be a strong woman? It means you don't give up on yourself first. I love that so much because that's really what it, that what we're doing is we're giving up on ourselves when we are like this. What do you want others to say about you? I want them to say that I wasn't afraid to be vulnerable and that I constantly looked for ways to improve and to learn and to share that information with other people to help them get through these hard themes in life. Last two questions. You have six months to live. What are you going to do with the rest of your time? Mm, travel. Um, 100% I would. <laughs> Where's the first place you would go? Uh, I think I would take my whole family on a trip to either like Spain or Italy, somewhere beautiful in, in Europe where we could all be together and just spend time, especially after this pandemic, just spend time with the people I love and see beautiful places, eat amazing food. That's what I would do as long as I could. Last words. You get one piece of advice for every woman who's listening. What do you want to tell them? I think I want to tell them that you have the power to change how you think and that will change your whole life. That gave me chills. Tell us how we can find you. Remind us of the name of your amazing podcast. <laughs> so my podcast is called It's Okay to Love Yourself. My leadership Instagram is at lookwithinleadership. Feel like I'm a better version of myself just from sitting with you. I'm so grateful for your time and what you're doing. Thank you so much, Carly. This has been such a great conversation and like so fun to just yeah, riff on these things and, and be able to share a lot of what I've learned. So thank you. We're in this together. We're going to change the world. Yes. Yes. Thank you are. so much. I love you. Thank you. Have a good one. You too. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed the podcast. If you are willing to rate, review, and share with your people, it makes such a difference for others to find it. And if you wanted to check out my memoir, Seconds and Inches, it's available on Amazon as an audiobook with me narrating a paperback and digital. I promise you, you will love it. Have an awesome day. And one more thing, there's absolutely nothing wrong with you.